Come on, church. How many are you glad that we serve a God who the victory belongs to God? Come on, that when Paul and Silas, they were locked in a prison cell through worship, God tore down the walls. When Israel was facing a, a Red Sea, God made a way. When Jesus came and died for us, he didn't remain in the grave, but he rose from the dead, defeating hell, death, and the grave, because the victory belongs to God. So just as we close worship right now, I, I want to read this passage of scripture, and I realize it's way too small on the back wall for me to ever read. So, so it says, 1 Samuel 17, David said to Saul, let no one's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight Goliath. Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are just a boy, and he has been a warrior from his birth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by the jaw, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, since he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will save me from the hands of this Philistine. I love that line. The Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, will save me from the hands of the Philistine. The Lord who saved me before, the Lord who saved me when I was struggling, the Lord who saved me in my darkest moments, he will do it again because the victory belongs to our God. So God told me to, to tell some, somebody here this morning it doesn't matter what circumstance you're facing. It doesn't matter what struggle you're facing. It doesn't matter what giant you're facing right now. He told me to tell you that you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid. So I, I'm excited to, to be able to speak and to share on this message called Careful But Not Afraid. But Father God, I, I just pray over your, your people this morning, Lord. Let my words be your words, God. Let me speak what you have for your people to hear, God. And let us receive this word that you have for us, Lord. Let us not be people who hear and forget, but people who, who receive and walk out blessed because of what you are speaking into each and every one of our lives this morning. Pray this in your name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, thank you, band, for, for, for playing. Come on, how are you guys doing this morning? Anybody excited uh, about the heat? Anybody? No? Yes? Okay. People who are clapping are the people with AC, so find out where they live and become their friend. <laughs> Careful, but not afraid. Careful, but, but not afraid. You know, I think, I think fear is one of those things that if we're willing to admit, it, it, it's one of those things that many of us struggle with almost on a daily basis. I think it's one of those things that it, it's one of the most widespread, if not the most widespread thing that people tend to deal with on a daily basis. And I don't know, there might be some like macho men in the room like with rippling muscles, I'm not afraid of anything. Okay, that's, that's great. You're lying to yourself. You might not be scared of spiders, but guarantee there's something you're scared of. But, but, but fear, 
is so prevalent because there's, there's so much that happens around us that can make us afraid. Just for an experiment, if you don't believe me, just, just go home and turn on the TV for a couple hours and switch to the news channel. Just a couple hours, that'll do it. Or, or really simple, hop on your phone, go on social media, and take a look at, uh, look at what people are saying because there's a lot of fear being spread there. Or, 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 or just, just go into your news app and, and scroll. There's so much happening in the world that is negative, that can make us feel afraid. Uh, the news is all about the war, the pestilence, the disease, the damage, the problems, all of these different things, that it's easy to get all this negativity to get stuck in our brain and to make us feel afraid. And we're surrounded by this negative torrent of stuff and... And, and as you get flooded with this negativity, it, it causes fear. And, and, you know, sometimes it's not even the real stuff that makes us afraid. Sometimes it's not the real stuff. Sometimes it's actually the fake stuff, the stuff that isn't happening. Uh, <laughs> I remember this one time back when I was just the youth pastor here at the church, and we, we were going on a camping trip with our senior highs. It was a really fun activity before COVID when we were allowed to see people face-to-face. Um, but we would go out to this provincial park called William A. Switzer Provincial Park. Anyone heard of it before? Okay, okay, a few people. I saw some of my old youth leaders raise their hand. That's good. I'm glad your memory hasn't failed you yet. Um, <laughs> but, but we go out to William A. Switzer Park. It's this middle-of-nowhere park, just a little ways out of, outside of Jasper. And, and so we'd go there, we'd have a group site, and, and we invited all of our senior highs to come. And it was just this great opportunity for, for people in grade 9 to 12 to, to hang out, to, to connect, to have fun, to worship together, and, and to be surrounded by nature. It was just a ton of fun. But, but part of my role as the youth pastor was to make sure that people felt included and invited. And so... I always wanted to, to be very intentional to connect with people as they're coming in, to get to know the kids, to get to know their names, to, to invite them to things. And, and with the camping trip, it was no different. If I, I, I tried to like recruit, you could still call it recruiting, but I was trying to invite people to make sure that all of our youth knew, hey, we want you to be there. And, and so I, I usually just ask them, like, hey, are you coming camping? And they'd be like, yes or no. And if they asked no, answered no, I would, I would tell them, or I'd ask them why, I'd figure it out, because sometimes it was just a money thing. And if it was a money thing, I'm like, we got some amazing donors here at the church who would love to sponsor you to go on this camping trip. You don't have to worry about it, you know, that kind of thing. Sometimes they had good excuses, sometimes they had bad. But I remember this one time, uh, this was about two years ago, I think, if I can remember time correctly. After COVID, I completely forget. Um, but about two, maybe three years ago, we were going camping, and, and I asked this one senior high girl if she was going to come with us. And she hadn't signed up, and the camping trip was like two weeks away, and I was like, so, so are you coming? You wanted to, you're you're going to come? You're going to sign up? Like, we'd love to have you. And, and she looks at me, and she's like, no. Okay. That's, that's great. Um, how come? How come? If it's a money thing, we'll help you. If it's a work thing, I totally understand. If it's a parent thing, I will call your parents right now and we'll, we'll sort this out. Like, like, depending on the situation, I'll do what I can to help you. But she, she's like, no. And I'm like, how come? And she answers me, well, I'm afraid that a serial killer is going to come out of the woods and kill me on this camping trip. And I'm just standing there racking my brain for a story in the news recently about a serial killer killing people while camping. And I couldn't think of any. And so I was like, 
well, how come? <laughs> Why do you think somebody's going to come and kill us? And, and she told me that she watches a lot of, I think it was CSI. It was one of those crime shows. And in this show, there's a couple episodes, or maybe it was one episode, I don't know, I really don't watch that, those shows, but, but there was an episode, at least one episode, where a serial killer came out of the woods and killed some people camping, and because of this serial killer in a TV show, she was not willing to come camping with us. And, I mean, I empathized with her because fear is a real thing and fear can control your actions and it's really easy to, to allow fear to control you, but, but at the same time, I was like, this hasn't happened to you. This hasn't happened in Alberta in years. This, this isn't a thing. You are avoiding spending time with your friends. You're avoiding hanging out with all of our amazing people that come to youth. You're avoiding camping, not because you don't like camping, but because you are afraid because of a TV show. Because sometimes it's, it's not the real stuff that gets us. And you know, that story, it's a little silly, it's a little funny, but, but the reality is that this kind of fear is this kind of thing that we, we encounter in our, our daily lives. You know, we get afraid because we hear of layoffs at our company and we're like, am I next? Get afraid because money is a bit tight and we're like, well, if I run out, what am I going to do? Going to lose my house? Going to lose my car? I'm going to end up on the street? Like, what, what am I going to do? We, we get afraid because the news inundates us with this constant stream of information about a disease that comes out of China and is spread around the world. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's called COVID. Um, but for the past 18 months, uh, uh, this constant stream of news inundating us and, and, and fear begins to control us. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that if you've taken precautions to avoid getting COVID that you're doing the wrong thing. I'm not saying that if you've hidden in your house for the past 18 months because that's what's safest for you that you've done the wrong thing. What I'm saying is we live in a world where fear has become the new normal. And instead of being careful but not afraid, we are just afraid. And, you know, I'll, I'll admit sometimes fear is a good thing because you, you have fears that actually keep you safe. You have rational fears that, that keep you safe and keep you from killing yourself. You know, rational fears are the ones that are like, you're hiking in Jasper, you see a grizzly bear, and the rational fear is the one that's like, hey, don't go walk up to them and try and pet their cubs. You will die. Rational fear is the one that's like, hey, you're jumping out of a plane to go skydiving, make sure you strap on the parachute first. Unless you want to go splat. Like, <laughs> rational fears. But, but rational fears can also control our actions because it's like you're jumping out of a plane and even with the parachute, you can be afraid. But then there's also these other fears. The irrational fears that also try to control us. Like for me personally, if I'm being honest with you, I am afraid of bees. Afraid of wasps, bees, whatever they are. I don't care. I don't like them. And if you see me outside and one's buzzing around, I will try to not react. But inside, heart's just... And the reason is because ever since I can remember, from like date birth basically, I can't remember that far back, but ever since I can remember, until the age of 19, I was stung once or twice every year by a bee, a hornet, or a wasp. And so it was a rational fear because I didn't want to get stung. And now it's like I haven't been stung in forever, but I'm still afraid. I also remember when I was younger, I had this fear of 
of eating apples because I was convinced if I ate an apple seed, it would grow in my stomach. And then the tree would start to grow out of my mouth, and I would just have branches with apples growing off of them, and eventually I would die because the tree was growing in my stomach. Come on. But it's fear. It's irrational fears. Because these fears, these both rational and irrational fears, these, these fears can be problematic in our lives. Because what happens when you begin to get afraid is your brain starts to play tricks on you. It starts to ask all these what-if questions. What if my house burns down tomorrow and kills my dog? What if I wake up tomorrow and my wife's like, I don't love you anymore? What if I lose a bunch of money and I can't support my family? What if, what if um, a pandemic streaks around the world and it sweeps through my family and kills somebody that I love? What if all of these things? And statistically, none of these things are like, very likely. But we get afraid. And, and, and uh, when we start to get these irrational and these rational fears, we, we start to ask these what ifs, and these what ifs start us on this lovely path to depression and anxiety and fear that begins to control our thoughts and begins to control our actions and begins to make us believe that there's more bad in the world than there is good. See, when we consume all this negativity, we consume all this negativity, we, we start to think that that is the accurate ratio of negative to positive in the world. You consume the news, 99% of what you watch is going to be negative. 99% of what you read is going to be negative. And you start to think, well, 99% of things in the world are, are, are negative. And very, hap or very often what happens as we start to process all this information and, and try to keep informed and, and process all this negativity is we start to ask these what ifs. And you know, in the, in the medical field, this is considered medical school or medical students syndrome or medical students disease, something like that. But basically what that is, is when a medical student is in their first or second year of medical school, they start to learn about all of these diseases, all of the symptoms, all of the horrible things that they, that they might encounter as they work as a doctor or nurse or whatever it is. And and as they're going through this, they come to the horrifying realization that all of these horrible diseases, all of these horrible symptoms that they're reading about, they have all of them. Medical school disease, because what you focus on will become your reality. What you focus on will become your reality. When you fill your head with all of these negative things, it starts to shape how you think starts to produce negative thoughts that then start to produce fear, which then start to control your thoughts even more, make you wonder, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And as that goes on, it, it, it starts to control how you act. Which is why it's important that we not be afraid, but that we be careful but not afraid. You know, if you know the story of David, started with a passage from 1 Samuel 17. If you know the story of David, you know that David, at a young age, was anointed as king. And Pastor Martin talked about this uh, last week a bit. 
Um, but David, at a young age, he's anointed king by the prophet Samuel, who comes to his father's house and looks at all of his brothers and like, no, 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 no. Where's your other son? Do you, don't you have another son? Oh, the, the, the runt of the family. Okay, I'll get David. And, and the prophet's like, this is God's anointed. He is going to rule the nation. And so David becomes this anointed child who, he's anointed to be king of the nation of Israel, but he's not yet king. He's in this weird transition period of, I will be king, but there's another guy who is king currently, and I'm not going to touch him because I don't want to touch God's anointed. And, and so he's anointed as king, but he, but he hasn't yet stepped into that, that role. But, but as David's life goes on, we find out that he was a king after God's own heart. Which, if you recall, Martin's message last week, he, he talked about this one story where David is on the roof of his palace, and he looks out across the city, and he sees a, a naked girl, and is like, ooh, she's pretty. And then he calls for her, he sleeps with her, he gets her pregnant, and then when he finds out she's married and pregnant, he's like, yeah, let's just get rid of the husband, you know? So it's this really, like, David has this wild story where he's this great king, but he does some horrible things, but he's still considered a man after God's own heart, which tells me that there's nothing too big that you can do that God won't forgive you. But, but if we rewind far enough into David's life to, to a period Shortly after he's been anointed king, we find this story in, in 1 Samuel 17 about a war between the nation of Israel, which David was called to lead, and the nation of the Philistines, the enemies of Israel. So it says, 1 Samuel 17, verse 1, Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. Saul and the Israelites gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and formed ranks against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on the mountain on one side and the Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And there came out of the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Scholars say that that means he was probably about nine feet tall. Pretty wild. And then it goes on to say, he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man from yourself and let him come down to me. If he is able to kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, Today I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man that we might fight together. When Saul and the Israelites heard the word of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. As they probably should have been. You know, I don't know about you, but if I were in that army and I heard this call, I would have been terrified. Because think about it for a second. The challenge is a one-on-one -on -one fight between you and a guy that is much bigger than you. And the reward is, well, if you win, we'll become your servants. But if you lose, well, first, you're dead. So that's already a bummer. But your friends, your family, your fellow soldiers, your king, your nation, everyone that you know and love will become my slave. It's a pretty wild situation, and, and, and they're afraid, and 
you know, looking at this passage, I, I have to say that their fear was probably rational. Fear is probably rational. Come on, how many of you have ever been rationally afraid of something before? Come on, a few people who are brave enough to admit it. How many of you have had a life that you're afraid of? It's, you're being faced by a situation that you don't know the way out. Everywhere you look, you look and you're like, I have a reason to be afraid. You've lost your job. Nobody seems to be hiring. You, you're, you're running out of money and, 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 and you don't know what to do. You don't know how to supply for your family because, and, you, and you're just losing out hope. You, you get news that somebody in your family has a disease and the doctor's like, it's not curable. We're just going to prescribe morphine to, to help with the pain. And you're like, well, what, what am I supposed to do? Uh, you, you're faced with a situation where you feel like you have the answers, but, but those in charge aren't listening to you. They're not asking your opinion. They're removing restrictions. They're doing things different than you think things should be done. And, and, and you're afraid. You know, irrational fears can be terrifying, but they're not real. It's the rational fe- fears that'll really get you. It's the rational fears that'll keep us caught. It's the Goliath fears when we have a reason to be afraid. Get us caught and affect how we act. And so Goliath is facing off with Israel, and it's this high-risk, high-reward situation. You win, you get everything. Saul will give you his daughter. Like, it's a big deal. You'll be famous. You'll be uh, widely known. People will love you because you beat the Goliath. You'll be, you, you'll be well-known. Uh, but if you lose, everything you know and love is going to be gone. High risk, high, high reward. And, and there's these trained soldiers that are terrified. And, and out of nowhere, this little runt of a kid shows up. This little guy named David. He, he just walks into the camp and, and, and he's he sent by his father to deliver bread to his brothers and, and he shows up and he comes to the camp and he happens to hear Goliath's roar, chant, whatever he was doing. He hears a speech and, and this little kid, David, he starts to ask the question. He starts to ask the soldiers this question. He's like, who does this guy think he is? Who does this guy think he is? He's mocking the armies of God. Why haven't you guys killed him already? Come on, who is this guy, Goliath? And everyone's like, what? It's all these trained soldiers. They are terrified. They're too afraid to, to, to fight Goliath. And out of nowhere, this young boy shows up and he questions their fear. And clearly nothing has changed since that time to today. Because they reacted the exact same way that we react when people call out our fear. They mock him. Look at him. Oh, you just came to, to watch the fight from a distance. Go away, David. Come on, David. The, the men are talking. Maybe not in those words. But they begin to, they begin to mock him. Because the reality is people don't want to be challenged in their fear. People don't want to be challenged in their fear. Because if, if you feel your fear is rational, the last thing you want is some little kid to come and say, well, you don't need to be afraid of that. But David knew they had the wrong perspective. And, and, and so the king, Saul, he gets word of this, this kid walking around the camp asking questions like, why haven't you guys killed Goliath already? Come on. 
I could do it. And, and so he calls, he calls Samuel, or he calls um, David in, and, and this is where we get to the verse that I read earlier, First uh, Samuel 17, verse 32. David said to Saul, let no one's heart be, fail because of him, for your servant will go and fight Goliath. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight him. For you are just a boy, and he has been training since his youth. But then David responds, he's like, yeah, here's the deal. I used to watch my father's sheep. And there's a lot of animals that want to eat my father's sheep. But whether it was a lion or a bear, if they came to take one of my father's sheep, I went after them. I took the sheep back. And then if they tried to kill me, I killed them. The Lord has saved me from, from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine, he'll be like one of them. For the Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will save me again from the hands of this Philistine. The Lord who saved me before will do it again. David wasn't afraid. Others might have argued that he was a bit careless, but, but he wasn't afraid. And the reason he wasn't afraid was not because he was stronger. It wasn't because he could bench more than Goliath. It wasn't because his spear was bigger than Goliath's. It wasn't because he was a better soldier, he was better trained, he wasn't special forces. He wasn't afraid of Goliath, not because he was better than Goliath, but because he knew who was fighting on his side. And he knew that God would not fail him. You know, I have to wonder what, how each of our lives would look if we truly believed that God would not fail us. If we truly believe the promises we see in the Bible that, that when God is for us, who can stand against us? That no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That though a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, it will not come near you. See, when you're facing Goliath fears, rational fears, you don't need to be afraid, not because you have a solution, but because God is on your side. The Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will save me from the hands of this Philistine. Goliath thinks he can kill me. He thinks he can take me down. He thinks he can wipe the floor with me, but guess what? He can't. He can't. The only power Goliath truly possesses is to keep you afraid. But you see, here's the thing. There's a reason I called this message careful but not afraid, because there's a big difference between being careful but not afraid and being careless but not afraid. Because I want to be clear here. What I'm not saying is that you should live your life without fear. What I'm not saying is that you should not be afraid, and by that, you should just go out and do whatever you feel like doing without considering any of the consequences, any of the problems, any of the potential issues. I'm not saying that you should just do whatever your heart desires, because the reality is if you walk through a fire, your feet will be burned. And the reality is when you're a careless, you're going to put yourself in situations and find yourself in places facing giants, facing Goliaths that God never intended you to fight, and he has not equipped you to fight. See, careful but not afraid means I'll go out. 
I will do what is right. I will do what God is calling me to do, but I will not let fear control me. I will not let fear influence my decisions. I will do what is right to protect myself. I will do what is right to protect my family. I will do what is right for, for, for my life, for what God is calling me to do, but I will not let fear control me. And so the King Saul, he says, go and may the Lord be with you. But, but then he flips the script a little bit. Verse 38, he says, he say, it says this. He says that Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor and he tried in vain to walk for he was not used to him. You know, that sounds like 12-year-old me's dream. <laughs> I was such a history buff. I loved medieval times. I loved weapons. For some reason, my parents wouldn't buy me a suit of armor and a sword. I don't know why. Very strange. Um, but, but David, he, he puts on this armor and he's trying to move. He's trying to like do what he wants to do. He's trying to get ready to fight this giant and, and, and he can't even walk. And David realizes, well, if I want a chance, if I want to win, I need to put aside the conventional wisdom. I need to put aside the best weapons and the best armor of that time. If I go out like this, Goliath will kill me. And so he says, verse, verse 39, uh, I cannot walk with these for I'm not used to them. So David removed them. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the river, put them in a shepherd's bag, in the pouch. His sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. See, David was not afraid, but he wasn't stupid either. He wasn't afraid of Goliath because why should he be? God was on his side. Who could stand against him? God had saved him from the lion before he was going to save him again, but he wasn't stupid. Instead of come, going out with what the experts at the time said he should go out with. With the conventional means of waging warfare, he, he went out, grabbed some stones, grabbed his sling, and went out to fight Goliath. He, he was careful, but not afraid. And, and, he, and he went out and he put a stone in his sling, slung it, and the giant fell. You know, he wasn't afraid, but he wasn't careless. He wasn't careless. He was smart. He was calculating. He looked ahead. He knew in Saul's armor was Saul's sword that those weren't ranged weapons. To fight in that armor, he was going to have to get up close. He was going to have to get up face to face. He was going to have to get right up with Goliath, and he's like, if that happens, I'm going to die. But from a distance, from a distance, it's a completely different story. You know, we typically read the story of David and Goliath, and we're like, oh my goodness, wow, a sling. That's crazy. But the reality is, historically speaking, slingers were, were a common part of battle formations. There's actually historical evidence in the UK of, of the Roman Empire using slingers in battle. Because slingers could sling rocks at like, but I, it was between 50 and 100 miles per hour. So whatever that is in kilometers, I can't do that math in my head. From a distance, David knew. From a distance, I can take him out. And so he took his sling and he swung it. He swung it. And he released the stone and Goliath fell. See, I think so often we make a mistake when we think about being free from fear and 
because we think that freedom from fear means we can do whatever we want without worrying about the repercussions or problems or potential failures that we might face. But you see, freedom from fear is not about doing whatever you want without being afraid. It, it, no, it's about making wise choices while not letting fear influence your life. You see, Proverbs 27, verse 12, puts it this way. It says, A wise, shrewd person discerns the danger ahead and prepares himself. But the naive simpleton never looks ahead and suffers the consequence. Co-sign for one you barely know and you will pay a great price. Anyone stupid enough to guarantee the loan of another deserves to have his property seized in payment. See, not being afraid is important. But even more important is that we allow wisdom to be our guide. That we begin to make wise choices, to look ahead, to see the consequences of our actions, to prepare ourselves, to do what is best to protect ourselves without letting fear influence us. And you see, here's the thing about wisdom. Wisdom is not the principle of just having all the right answers. It's not about getting a download where suddenly, oh, I know the perfect thing to do in every situation. No, wisdom is about having a relationship with the right person. See, there's a story in 1 Kings 3 about, about King Solomon, and he's taken over the throne of Israel from, from his father David. He's united the kingdoms. He's waged so much war, and, he, and he's worshiping God. And one night God comes to him in a dream, and God's like, hey, ask for whatever you want. And Solomon, he responds and he's responding, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have the answers. You've called me to lead these people. I don't know how to do it. And so he asks God, give me an understanding mind to be able to discern between what is right and wrong. Give me wisdom. And the key here is, is that he, the Hebrew word for the word that we translate as understanding, it's the Hebrew word shama, which means both understanding and hearing. So what Solomon is asking for is not just a download of wisdom. He's asking for the ability to hear from God. God says, yes, of course. See, Bill Johnson, he puts it this way. The implication here is that wisdom is not just a deposit made into somebody who now has all the answers. It implies that the ability to hear the voice of God is the key to wisdom. You want to have wisdom? You want to make great choices for your life? You want to live careful but unafraid? Well, then you need to get close to God. You need to get close to God. It's important that you have a relationship with God. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, proverb that scholars believe was written by Solomon. It says, trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go. And you know, I believe this verse is key because it reveals what we need to do and how we're supposed to live. Number one is we're supposed to trust God over our opinions. We're supposed to trust God. Trust that he loves you. He cares for you. He is there with you. 
Psalms 23 says, even though you lead me through the darkest valley, I will be with you. Even when I don't know what's happening in my life, you are with me, God. Trust that he's there for you and, and, and that God is a father who loves and protects his children. He loves you. He cares about you. He's going to protect you. And, and two, we're supposed to rely on God. We're supposed to rely on God for, to guide every decision, which, which really is a simple concept of, well, I want to go right. I think right is the right choice, but God is saying go left. Okay, I'm going to go left. Let's make the conscious choice to say, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I will try and do what I feel is best, but you have the final say. That when we are afraid, instead of going and allowing fear to control us, we go to God. We lay our fears before him. We worship God and we ask him, where should I go? What should I do? We rely on him no matter what. And really what it comes down to is is this idea of being intimate with God, which is a fancy way of saying having a relationship with God, listening to God's voice, allowing him to guide you, knowing and trusting him that no matter what, he's got your back. That no matter what comes against you, no matter what Goliath you face, no matter what problems you have at work, no matter what disease is spreading around the world, God loves you and he's protecting you. That the victory belongs to God. So let's stand together. I want to pray for you all. Father God, I don't have the words to say as we close, so God, I just pray that you speak to your people here and now, Lord. Let us not be people whose lives are governed by fear. Let us not be people who allow fear to have a say in our decisions, who allow fear to control our actions, who allow fear to influence anything about us, God. But let us be people who are solely relied on you. That when Goliath comes, whatever Goliath might look like for us, God, that when Goliath comes, we will know that you've got us. That we won't be careless that we will do what's right to protect ourselves, that we will do what's right to, to, to ensure safety, but that we'll look ahead and that we'll use wisdom, but God, that we will know no matter what, you've got us and you love us. That when you are for us, who can stand against us? I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.